time lapse. This is State of Demand Gen. Hey everyone, welcome back to the State of Demand Gen podcast. This is Chris Walker, and today I am super happy to introduce founder and CEO of Avenue Talent Partners, Amy Volis. Thank you. For hey, having. Amy. Hello, hello. So hello, good to hello. Really good to connect with you again. I know that we. Um, it's it's funny when you think back. We actually did one of these. Um, before last fall, before this the po- the podcast was formal, we're kind of messing around. Um, we've gotten to know each other pretty well on LinkedIn. Love your your style and your points of view and all the things that you're doing, which are great. So, um, yeah, why don't you just uh, for everyone listening here, just kind of ca- catch catch us up, like what's going on, what's going on with you over the past six months? Like, obviously, the world has changed a little bit, which has probably impacted your business. I don't know, negative, positively. However, like, what is going on with you? Really interested. Yeah, no, thanks. Um, and, and indeed, it's funny. I think about our first conversation, like formal conversation being recorded, and there were a lot of things that we talked about that actually ended up happening when COVID hit, which is like, mm-hmm. we're like oracles, Chris, you and I. Um, I'm, I, I'm not that egomaniacal. It's, but- it's funny, just like COVID put pressure and exposed a lot of things that should have been fixed before it happened. Do you know what I mean? Like, obviously, this whole situation is entire, super unfortunate. Um, but I think that it's going the, for the businesses that take it and adjust yeah. and, and don't go back to the things that they were doing before. I think we'll, we'll be a lot better because of it. I'm, I'm hoping. Um, but then, you know, the unpopular thing to say and perhaps the pessimistic side of me thinks that, you know, we talked a lot about this in in that first conversation that we had about kind of the way that startups work in the ecosystem and funding and um, the expectations and the methodology around how you SaaS or how you get money and all of that. And what concerns me is I've, I'm heartbroken for companies that were going along just fine in certain verticals that were obliterated by this. Mm-hmm. They have no choice. It's it's horrible. I feel for them, and there's nothing that you can do. Like I get that, and and that is unforeseen, and that is the SaaS company serving the restaurant industry. Exactly. Right. Um, or if you're directly tied to the airlines or something mm-hmm. on those lines, right? T&E, T&E software for finance. There's a, a million of these examples. Yeah. Exactly. But then on the flip side. You have a lot of companies that will hide behind COVID that were not run, that are part of that icky sort of formula for how you SaaS. And they're not, in my opinion, great examples of leadership, of running a company, of operationalizing a company for success. Um, And they will not survive this. And they will get more money because of whatever, you know, whoever it is mm-hmm. that they are. I've, I've exited twice. I've done this. I've done that. But just because you've done that doesn't mean that you have the right infrastructure in place. And that part of the ecosystem is a little troubling to me because I don't know how that corrects without major systemic changes in how startups kind of evolve and grow. I and mean, how mm-hmm. many people you know, still to this day, don't have valid product or product market fit and can get five mil in an A round still happens. Yep. I mean, I, I know a company that if you include the IPO and, and all of the money that raised before the IPO, they've raised $400 million and their market cap is 250. 
You know what I mean? And that's, I think that will be what, um, I think we will see a lot more of that happen with exits that are unsuccessful. Yeah. Um, I think that time is coming. Obviously you're not going to see that in the New York times very often, unless it's a WeWork situation. But I think there's a lot of those happening in the shadows, um, that hope over time it's going, that will be the thing that kind of corrects this behavior. I feel like. Well, what's scaring me is, and, that's, and I feel for people because the intention is there, like, let's get the PPP loan. And that money is about to be up for many companies. And if you didn't course correct, pivot, figure stuff out, do whatever you needed to do, um, we're, we're going to hear some of those things. But I didn't answer your question, and I apologize. We <laughs> went down that route. We'll but go in a lot of different directions here. I feel like that's how you and I roll, though, which I like. Um, mm-hmm. But... I remember, Chris, I talked to you the week, like later in the week when sheltering in place happened. I remember I was walking outside and you were catching up. Yeah. And the tone of voice, like I, I had canceled everything else out of my schedule that week. Like I was I know, like, we were thinking about doing an event in Chicago and obviously that was out the window. Yes. I had to cancel my one in Texas and the one in San Francisco. Yeah. Yes. And, and you and I had a time to catch up. And I kept it because I, you know, I, I value our relationship and I was like, let's catch up everything else. I wasn't on LinkedIn. I mean, like you can go back and run a shield analytics report on me and you could see for that week, nothing was posted. Like I literally retreated and I freaked out and I was like, I don't know. And yes, this isn't my first rodeo. And I've, I've, um, been through two other downturns, Mm -hmm. but the world was freaking out. And I had a client that that same week pulled well into the six figures worth of fees for me that week, like that week that it happened. And I was like, Oh my gosh. And so for me, this is how I process stuff. When bad things are happening, I give myself a moment to reflect, to think, to try to learn and grow and figure it out. And if I'm noisy on LinkedIn or if I'm talking to a bunch of people or if I'm like, I just feel like that, that's counterproductive to that. That first week was crazy. And then after that, something happened. Like, I don't know, a fire in my belly ignited. And I was like, screw this. Like, game on, pandemic. Ain't nobody going to get this chick down. And I have quadrupled down on the things that I need to do. And I will Mm -hmm. say, from my lens, I'm in really good shape. I've got great I've got people that were doing the right things as long as they're like the, there weren't business situations like what we talked about at the beginning. If you're doing the right things, then you're probably doing okay. It's the people that were not doing the right things that are now getting exposed. If you are 100% reliant on robotic outbound, that was getting you through enough of the time to continue to grow, to raise more money. And now your connect rates drop from 14% to 3%. And the response rates on emails drop from blah, 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 to blah, blah, blah. You're hurting. Yeah. And you're yeah, burning. Yeah. And you, and you, so your revenues, you might have experiencing some churn because the product wasn't that valuable. Your outbound is going down in effectiveness. Your burn is rapidly increasing. And here we are. I, I agree more. And I, I'm a big believer. And I've said this many times. And I've said this in your content many times. What you put in is what you get back. And it starts with the customer always. Mm-hmm. And I really focused on the priorities. And um, trying to give more than I ever got and helping people think about these challenges that come up when things get hard in different ways. And I will tell you, 
um, we are reaping the rewards. And I am really grateful and proud to be able to say that. Mm-hmm. It is not easy. I'm working 16 plus hours a day, which I think you are too. Yeah. Um, but I care and it's fuel for fire and it's That's like fuel. even more. Like, it's like, yes, like, let's do this. And so I spin it that. and turn it into an opportunity. Then this is a yeah. amazing opportunity to not, not to discount a lot of, you know, obviously the unfortunate things that are happening in the world, but like, if you can change your mindset around it and figure that out, this is a enormous opportunity to change the correct trajectory of your career and your life. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think even though the marketplace is a mixed bag and I've seen that mixed bag mm-hmm. of companies that won't survive companies that are dangling by a thread, companies that are absolutely thriving mm-hmm. and companies that have good business that will sustain I've been part of that whole thing through this first half and I'm really, really proud, excited and energized and grateful. I am in good shape. I haven't laid one person off. Mm-hmm. I Me either. We've hired five people. Yeah. I haven't lost any business. I have opportunities that are coming my way. I'm part of communities where we're giving back and it's lovely to see what happens there, like all this stuff. So that's what I'm seeing. That's how I've yeah. been. Yeah. So, so speaking of that have been what I've been in a couple of the Thursday night sales before you joined in and have been watching from afar. Um, I was in one with, uh, with Justin and Scott at the beginning, which then kind of like fueled this idea. I actually went, this is exactly what happened. I'll break it down. So I got, I got back from vacation. I got back on March 17th, which is crazy to think about. I got forced out of vacation because so much things changed from when I left on vacation to when I had to come back. And so I had to leave early on vacation. I got back and then I got back on a Tuesday I went to the Thursday night sales. It was either episode one or episode two. I sat in on it. There was like, there was at least a hundred people there. I enjoyed it. I, I like Justin. I had never, I, I hadn't known about Scott before, but I got to get exposed to that. And I saw the, the community and literally after it was done, I texted Gatano Denardi and I was like, Hey, I see, um, you know, I, I went to this thing. It was super cool. They had all these people on, they were talking about sales. I don't see anyone doing this in marketing. Do you want to do it? And, and then three days later, we had our first one, like 40 people showed up, maybe 50. And we've consistently had people over the past 18 weeks of doing it. And that I think is, it was a, it was awesome for me, but it was just, it's like making an adjustment on the fly. You know what I mean? If you're a company, if you're a hundred million dollar revenue company, you can't, you, most companies can't do that. They can't yeah. like, they can't pivot like that and make a decision and move. Um, and so to get back to you, I, uh, I've been watching from afar on Thursday night sales was hoping that maybe you could just share one, maybe one key insight that's been happening inside of that community that you th- you'd like to share. Oh my gosh. You're making me pick one. It's, <laughs> it's amazing because, um, I've been involved since the second episode and so I must've been on the first one then. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it's, it's incredible to see what's happened. The biggest thing that I've seen is it doesn't matter who you are. Like we have marketers, we have founders, we have sales Mm -hmm. leaders, we have salespeople, the sense of true community where people want to genuinely share and they show up to get better. That's the thing like Mm -hmm. that I've learned. I've been inspired business opportunities, people getting jobs, people creating sub communities. It's, it's Mm -hmm. insane. Like to see the legs of this, 
I've met people that'll be in my life probably the rest of my life from that group. And you can't put a price tag on that. Mm -hmm. So So that was more than one thing. I'm sorry. I wasn't. (laughs) No worries. I mean, we've, we've helped a couple, I mean, I've heard from Justin and we've helped a couple of people get jobs in the demand gen live, same with you. Um, which is just like really fulfilling. Like I look, it's a long day on Tuesday, right? Like I'm at 5am. We're doing that thing at 7:30. Sometimes I have to take a quick nap. Um, in order to kind of like be, be up and ready, but like every week go there and just love, um, love sharing it. And you also get a bunch of content. You know what I mean? Like it's number one, give back to people and help them get better. Number two, you get a lot of content that you can, you can use and chop up and and use that for biz dev or however you want to do to ultimately again, to help people get better. Most of the people that consume my content are never going to be our customers. Um, cool. So let's kind of pivot here. Um, I've been doing, as I alluded to some hiring. Um, and so just kind of wanted to see, you know, in terms of maybe the state of sales recruiting in this kind of like, maybe like today it's, it is what July, July 15th. Um, what does it it look like? Adjusted tax day, which is funny. (laughs) I paid my taxes today. Um, um, what, uh, what is it, what is it like today? Yeah. Environment Mike. Yeah. Um, it, it's happening, right? People are hiring, so it's not all doom and gloom. Um, it is still really broken. Mm. Like truly the biggest thing that I'm seeing of why it's broken is recruiting sales, marketing and agree or disagree on the marketing front. You are way closer to it than I am. It is not one dimensional, but yet we want to treat it as such. Okay. And there's a miss so many misconceptions like your content every day breaks down misconceptions same with mine um there are so many misconceptions that lead to the assumption of it being one dimensional that are troubling to me so i'll give you an example for example so many founders and leaders think wow the market is flooding with a bunch of sales and marketing people it should be easy to hire Here's the thing to that. Well, yes, there are more people that are available and I'm so sorry that those people are not working. Um, and I love that you're hiring and that you want to hire uh, some of those people. Here's the problem. You didn't know how to hire going into COVID. Mm-hmm. And so if now the table stakes are higher than they've ever been, that you're pressed for time, that the priorities are even more significant and you didn't know how to hire before, what makes you think that you know how to manage 5X the candidate flow that's coming your way to ensure good candidate experience, good brand, that you get it right, that you don't mishire, that's going to cost you more money later? Mm-hmm. These are the things. And a lot of other good companies are doing the same thing as you. Like the, the cream of the crop is hiring right now because they're doing well, right? I mean, yep. I, I think that's the way it is. So it, it, while there are more candidates... It's also, you're competing with a different type of, of company. I feel like it's smaller pool, but different. Um, yeah, so I mean, I'm gonna, tell you, I'm gonna tell you one thing and you're gonna think that I'm crazy, but we'll just see. So um, like I said, in, in Q2, we added five mar- demand marketers to the team. Congrats, man, um, that's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's, been, uh, it's been really great. And so two of them, this was the hiring process. I thought that I might need someone. I had an idea of what it was, but I, for, I, let's break this into two. The first one is that I love the idea of knowing that you need someone in the future and that you could hire them today if you wanted to, but you don't need to hire them today. 
<laughs> I love being in that position is really great. Mm-hmm. And so I had two, I had two of those things happen in Q2 where I was basically just observing and I was on LinkedIn and I had someone that was post, which is so grateful for this opportunity. Unfortunately, I was laid off yesterday. Boom. We'll click on the headline, look at the profile, direct message. Hey, you look great for this job. You want it? Blah. Hired done. Two, two very, hires I'm very happy with that way. Super easy. Okay. What do you th- like? Uh, what do you think about that? Um, it's obviously unconventional. Um, what do you think? Um, I have mixed emotions. So, <laughs> how many people are in your company right now? Eight. Yeah. So that makes sense at your stage, right? Mm-hmm. Like lots of people can wing that like yeah. that. Yeah. That's not scalable, and that assumes a lot of risk. And here's the thing: you're also hiring people that, um, what were, what were the jobs? Were they all marketing related jobs? Yep. Yeah. You know that like the back of your hand, my friend. So you know that. This is a huge point. I love this. Yeah. So what happens when you're a technical founder or you're, let's say you're a marketer, right? You're hiring other marketers, but what happens when you need to hire a CPA? Mm -hmm. I'm married to one. We don't speak the same language. (laughs) I have no idea what that is. Or when somebody begs me to hire a marketer, and you actually asked me behind the scenes, do you hire marketers? I'm like, no, mm-hmm. I don't know how to hire them. Yep. I've not done the job. I don't speak that language fluently. Mm-hmm. Or if somebody came to me and said, I want you to be a tech recruiter. Hell no. Yep. I don't even like, and somebody can sound really fancy and great and give me metrics and talk about all these things. How do I know that that's exactly. And this so, is a huge, this is a huge thing in marketing. I imagine it's the same thing in your world, which is that the people that are making the hiring don't know how to judge whether or not the person they're hiring is good, especially as you start moving into a higher level Yes. because you can talk and use buzzwords and all these different things. I know because I've interviewed 25 or 30 demand marketers in the past, I don't know, 60 to 90 days. And most of them are full of shit. Most yeah. of them, um, come from well-known established SaaS brands, have a great resume. And when you actually get into the details and get them into Salesforce and get them into Facebook and ask questions and figure out how they think about things and all these different things, they break. Oh, totally. And so, I mean, that is the reason why I exist. <laughs> Me it's too, not I guess. because I identify with being a sales recruiting firm owner. In fact, I don't identify with that. That mm-hmm. makes me cringe. Yeah. I don't love that. Yeah. I identify greatly with caring about my ecosystem of sales, of startups, of being around the block for a long time in and around the HR tech recruiting talent mm-hmm. space. And I've, and I believe you, and I'm, I'm not just saying this cause it's you and I, and we're recording. I'd say this, if you hit pause, I'd say this, if it was a person on the street, I, your why comes through crystal clear to me from the outside looking in. I believe just like for myself, you've cracked the code on some of this same, same. Uh And if I think about crossing the chasm in that book, I'm in the early adopter world. So are you where you're talking about breaking down the status quo because it's begging for it but not everybody's ready for it yet. Yep. And so the same thing with me where it's like hiring is broken and everybody can agree to it, especially for sales hiring. It turns over three X more than any other kind of job. Mm-hmm. That's a problem that speaks to you don't know what you are doing and that's okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I I'm think, doing. I think this is a really interesting point here is that 
I don't think this is a one dimensional issue. I no. think that there, there's obviously the talent level, yeah. right? So that's, that's one component in judging that. But I think I watch a lot of companies set their VP sales or their sales leader up to fail, raise yeah. a bunch of money, have ridiculous quotas, not like not enough marketing support. There is a ton of ecosystems of why that, that role, um, would be set up not to be successful. And so, um, yeah, I'm just like the, the unrealistic goals I think is one that really, really sticks out to me. The second one is that how the, the need for marketing has changed quite a bit. I mean, you were a seller in, in the early, in the two thousands. Yeah. In the early days. Why are you trying to age me? I'm not trying to age you. I was just, I was trying to figure out how to skate around that in the two thousands. Yeah. Right. You just got it. I love it. I hope that makes the cut. Yes, I was. How much more important is marketing for the sales success today than it was 15 years ago. Oh my God, Chris. Dramatically more important. Yes. So there are things that I do to this day that served me back when I got into the workforce in the late nineties. I go back that far, right? (laughs) Um, There are things that, that serve me well to this day. But I will tell you, if I did what I did 10 years ago now, and I'm just, I'm going ahead in time, 10 years mm-hmm. ago to now, no freaking way, like no way. Mm-hmm. And, and so I've had to adapt. And I remember, I can't tell you how many times we would blame marketing because they sucked because mm-hmm. they didn't give us our deck because mm-hmm. the deck sucked. They didn't understand our customer, blah, blah, blah. blah. Mm-hmm. And it is an ecosystem. And now more than ever, like especially being an entrepreneur and a business mm-hmm. person, in the last, I would call it eight years of my career, I understand and appreciate and celebrate and covet that intersection between sales and marketing and why it has to go together, why it can't be an us versus them. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to add something though about the recruiting piece that a lot of people don't think about. And Jason Lumpkin, I don't always agree with everything that he writes, but I do agree with this. He wrote an article um, about there are 48 different sales leaders. You better hire right for your stage and your business. I was just going to say the stage piece. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I couldn't agree more. And so we're living in this like one size fits all world. You just hired demand gen people. There's lots of different ways I'm sure to think about that. Same thing mm-hmm. with sales. There's lots of different ways to think about that. And they're very different layers of Enterprise, SMB, inbound, yeah. outbound, ACV, sales cycles, in yeah, inbound, SCR, outbound. What industry? What buyer? You know, all the things, and you can't hire the person just because they said they went to president's, president's club. club. I knew you were going to say that. I love and it. They're at one hundred and twenty percent to their number, and they talk about all these great things, and they've closed all this business and all these brands. Let me give you a true story. I worked at Yahoo. I was in enterprise sales there. I then went to Indeed, and I was employee number twenty something there, building out and enterprise sales function from scratch. There was no marketing. All they did was SEO. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew who we were. The mm-hmm. work that I needed to do there at Yahoo versus at Indeed, totally different. I can't tell you how many of my comrades from Yahoo that were great at Yahoo. They're incredible people. They are wise. They are awesome. They couldn't rise to the mm-hmm. occasion of Indeed because the work was different and it yeah. doesn't make them bad. It's not a bad thing. It's not a one size fits all sales car wash. Stop mm-hmm. treating it as such. Mm-hmm. Same with marketing. 
So let's kind of pivot here. There's one topic that I definitely want to, wanted to cover. I'm interested to see how you react to it. So I've been, I, I, I do a lot of posting on LinkedIn and a lot of commenting, but I also do a lot of watching. And one of the interesting things that I've been watching right now, which I think is fascinating and would love your opinion on it, is that we have a lot of people in the sales ecosystem that sell, that either sell outsourced, outbound, or some type of outbound sales training. Mm-hmm. And, however, they get their business through content marketing. And so it feels, it feels a little weird. Like if, you, like if you were the outbound master to train people to do outbound, wouldn't you be getting your customers through outbound? I'm, just, I'm, I'm a little confused on that. I was hoping you might be able to tell me something. I, I must be missing something. I don't think that they're probably enlightened to that thought, first of all. I don't think they probably think about it the way that you do of like, wow, me putting up a LinkedIn posting is actual content, which defeats the purpose of what I'm here to do. Uh, Here's what I I do think. Outbound, inbound, content, no content. Uh We all have a toolkit and it should be equipped with a variety of tools, right? Like when you build a house, you pull out a saw versus a hammer versus a whatever. I'm so not a consumer. I don't even know why I think that, but (laughs) all the things, and they don't do all the same things, right? Mm -hmm. And the best builders realize I have this kit and I know when to pull out the tool for what kind of job and -hmm. I know how to use it well. And that in my mind, you mentioned LinkedIn and I'll bring up a little baby topic that I'll just put right here that we can pick up later. There are lots of people spewing lots of things that if you look at their true body of work and what they've done, they have no business spewing a darn thing. I'll leave that there. We'll just put that there for right now. I'm not, I but, don't know. It's going to be tough for me to leave it there. Reserve yourself because we got we to tie this little topic yeah, up. Yeah, tie the bow and then let's make sure we get back to uh, – it's going to be hard to leave. We'll get back. Tie it up. I promise you we'll get back to that. <laughs> but really quickly for this, yeah. even if I sold outbound or inbound or marketing or whatever, I've got to think about it through the lens of there's more than one way to skin the cat. And if I'm working with my customer, what is it that they really need? And outbound, if I'm selling outbound, I'm going to talk about content in the sense of if it is outbound and you're reaching out to people, an email is a piece of content. How are you incorporating that? So the phone isn't dead, text isn't dead, video isn't dead, LinkedIn isn't dead, emails aren't dead. All the things that you can do to reach out, content, not dead, power of LinkedIn really works. What you put into it is what you get out of it. All yep. those things, not dead, but it's the how that matters. And so I, I'm over here drooling about that little thing that you dropped earlier. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so little, little baby. yeah, I mean, I've been seeing it go around LinkedIn. I'm super interested to chop this up. I think this will be, um, will be really interesting. So, I mean, I'll get a little bit started and then would seriously, um, love you to kind of like lead us through this, yeah. which is for me is what happened, what things are posted on LinkedIn. It is the reader's responsibility in my view to understand who's giving the advice, what context it's in, and then decide if or how it applies to their situation. I believe that is your responsibility as a content consumer to make that decision. Um, And so I think the idea that there's anything on LinkedIn that is blanket advice that applies to everyone aside from core principles of life, um, I think do not just don't exist. 
yeah, that's kind of, I'll, I'll get it started there. Um, and then would love to get a little bit of back and forth here. I don't know if we're going to like fight through the screen or agree. Let's see. I, 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 I mean, I can take on a good fight, so we're, <laughs> we're good here. But honestly, this came up on Thursday Night Sales. It yeah. came up on a posting yesterday that I chimed in on. I'm a big believer that I am not here to be the police. Um, mm-hmm. It's not my job to call out somebody for putting out crappy advice. Mm-hmm. The last time I checked, LinkedIn is a professional network for adults. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to think that people can critically think through what's being presented to them as they want to consume it or not. So that's my opinion at the start. There's two things though. And I said this last week, consider the source. Just because somebody posts something that goes viral, that gets 1,500 likes, 600 comments, and blah, 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 doesn't mean it's great. Uh And it has to go back to the advice that my mom gave me growing up. If everybody else jumped off a bridge, would you? And the answer is no. Uh And so just because somebody goes on, and in my ecosystem, I can't tell you how many people are like, job hopping is great. And we talked about this in our last thing. Like, you should be a job hopper. That's how you decide what you really want to do when you grow up doesn't mean that you can't make a mistake uh-huh. and, it, and I'm not here to shame anybody, but what it does mean is the market speaks the loudest always. And if those folks that were hopping around that are still unemployed, you and I called that before. And I'm, I hate to say that cause I don't want anybody to be unemployed or suffering, uh-huh. but you know, there's that piece to it. The other piece to it is I think there's a true lack of experience and maturity And LinkedIn is becoming very, very noisy when it comes to lots of people coming in to share. And so I find that a lot of people take a back seat to having that internal audit system and they get caught up in the shiny objects, just like in hiring, just like in marketing, right? Where it's like, Uh wait a second, I'm seduced because this person who has 50,000 followers just went viral and because they talked about it and they're selling something and people are talking about how they bought it that that means it's true for me. No, it doesn't. They don't look at the source and they don't, there's one person in particular that I don't particularly respect or admire on LinkedIn with the way they use their voice and the things that they share. Because I, like you, not only use my voice, I sit back and I watch. Mm -hmm. What I've noticed about this individual is that they have, we can all have different opinions, but you got to pick a lane. Mm-hmm. And they talk out of every side of their mouth. So one side, it's like, you've got to be pushy and it's okay to be toned up and it's okay to talk at your buyers. And then the next side, we need to be there for our buyers. We need to listen to them. We need to care about them. And then the next they stand for. So in my mind, the problem comes from what is the true body of work and the experience the person's bringing to the table? And is it just that one posting that went viral that you're getting seduced by and what is your own experience. Like, do you have the true filtration system to understand that not everything is face value Mm -hmm. and you like something that's great. It doesn't mean that you read, rinse and repeat it for yourself. Take away the one thing or the one concept or the one idea noodle on it behind the scenes and figure out how you want to apply it for your business. And what I'll end with is this, the marketplace speaks the loudest. Mm -hmm. And even though I might have a loud voice on LinkedIn, it's the outcomes behind the scenes that nobody gets to say that really tells the full story, but nobody's mm-hmm. going to talk about that. Right. And I mean, just, just to be fair, I feel like, I mean, some people probably say this about me 
right? Like your resume doesn't necessarily tell the whole story where I built all of these things. I was a brand manager, not a CMO. You know what I mean? People are like, this guy's working with CMOs and now all of like, what's his experience? And what they didn't see is all of the work that was put in for two years doing a CMO's job, doing CMO level work under a brand manager title, making 80K a year. And so like that type of, I think there's, I just wanted to put that out there is that like, there, the resume, the the LinkedIn profile doesn't necessarily always tell the whole story. And the last thing that I'll add is that I don't, I would highly encourage people listening to not have a lot of voices in that they're following. I would pick a couple and I would follow that if that, if that is the case too much stuff, there's going to be conflicting advice and you're going to run in. So like, um, that's, that is a, a couple of my thoughts there. But like in terms of consuming content, I do it more for entertainment and inspiration at this point, I'm not taking a lot of people's advice and implementing it, you know? I think that's a really fair point. But here's what I will say is I've, and I sound creepy as all get out, but I've watched (laughs) what you've written for a long time. And a long time isn't a week or two weeks. It's been... Probably a year. I I was going to say it's almost a year, if not not that or longer. And while, again, you can... I've got to consider the source and that doesn't necessarily mean your body of work is your LinkedIn profile or your resume. Mm -hmm. I pay attention to the merit of what you're talking about. And I'm not going to lie. There are things that you've written about that I have applied and it's worked. Yeah. So it's like, I'm glad. So that's where you get my attention on the flip side about following and unfollowing. I've got a lot of connections, a lot of them. And just because I'm connected doesn't mean I want to follow or I want to see things Mm -hmm. every day. The best thing that I did is somebody told me about, if you Google (laughs) how to mass unfollow on LinkedIn, it might be on the dark web. I'm not really sure because it was (laughs) something that you had to do. I unfollowed every single person and I hand selected who I wanted to follow. And my feed is only what I want to see. For people that are listening to this, whether you want to take Amy's approach, which is unfollow and then and then make sure you put people in, or the reverse, which is what I do, which is um, I have a feed, and then every time I see something that I don't want, I unfollow. Both ways can, and then the algorithms over time, it's already pretty good, but it's going to figure out what to put at the top. Like the first ten posts are what I actually want to see. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think that is a huge. It's it's everyone's responsibility to curate their own social media feed, and you would do that through the unfollow, follow, whatever action, as well as what you engage with. If you engage with a bunch of hateful or certain types of content it's going to give you more because you told it that's what you engage with. So, well, um, and, and to that, I did that after being on LinkedIn for years and years and years. And I'm like, how do I do this? Like I can't yep. hand go through thousands of people. So I needed to do it in mass. So if anybody's in that category, the other thing that I do is when somebody wants to connect with me or I want to connect with someone again, it can be a great connection. It just means I don't want to consume your content. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean I have a problem with you. It just means you're talking about things that I don't, I don't necessarily need right now. And that's okay. Um, I do an audit. So before, so after I accept the uh, connection or when a new connection is accepted, I immediately go back and I look at all the content that they've been talking about 
and I decide, is this somebody that I want to follow or not? And I will immediately do it there so I can create efficiency. Cool. So um, getting toward the end of this episode, is there any topic that you want to you wanna cover or if you want to pass back a question to me, happy to... Uh, to kind of riff on, we got, we got time for another topic. So if you got something that's great, otherwise we'll uh, wrap up. I have a question for you. Would love it. It's hot off the press of a big debate that happened on Thursday night sales. It carried over to Twitter. It was on a LinkedIn posting and it's a little bit in the spirit of what we just talked about, but then some. So what do you do? What is your opinion, Chris, when you see the influencer of LinkedIn and it's somebody that you know is full of garbage and they are putting out hazardous to your business health or your career advice that is deplorable. Do you school them? Do you ignore it? Do you do something else? Because it's to call the person out, to not call the person out. I have opinions on this, but I'm really, really curious about what you think when you see that and how you conduct yourself. I don't think that I have a I'm in the middle of the road, like the gray area camp on this one. I feel like there's a couple of times where people have, and and the, the, the most important thing is that I'm going to stay in my lane here. If you're talking about recruiting, then I like, I have no interest in, in putting my point of view in something that I don't consider myself an expert in. Um, but if there's something in, in marketing or demand, like uh, there's a couple ones where it's like, here are the top five things you need to do in demand gen. And not one of them mentions a customer. And I'm like, number one is customer. Like, I can't believe this is the, you know, definitive 10 things you should do in demand gen and not one of, there's not one mention of a customer in it. Um, and so I, I have said, you know, bad advice, here's why, or things like that. But for the most part, um, it's just unfollow, move on. It's kind of how I play it at this point. I, at this, it's also at this point, like, um, it's a, I've never, I've never talked about this. I'm sure you have it too, which is at this point, my engagement, like I have a responsibility to my followers based on the amount of engagement based on what I engage in. Right. And so if I engage with a post, it's going to show it to thousands more people, maybe more than that. And so like, I'm very, very thoughtful about whose content I engage with and what I say, because I know how much viewability it gets once I do that. So it's like, it's a, it's a, almost like I have a uh, responsibility to the people that follow me about what I would put in their feed based on my engagement. I couldn't agree more with that. Let me ask you a supporting question to this. When, because you do put out content, it does get a lot of engagement. Um, What do you do when there is the troll that comes to you and says, uh, totally disagree with you. You suck basically, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe they didn't say that in that vulgar of a, of a manner, but mm-hmm. they're the unpopular opinion and they're trying to boomerang back to their content by um, poo-pooing yours. Mm-hmm. How, do you, how do you deal with that? Um, again, I think it depends, but uh, in general, I have a two-strike policy. And so... Cause I don't get that. I don't actually don't get very many negative comments. And so if you give me two negative comments on two, two posts and normally it's back to back from we two days in a row. So I'm like, you, I know, I know your name. I knew that you did that two strikes. You're gone blocked. I don't need, I don't need that in my life. Um, 
And then it really depends on the context about what they're saying. If it, if there's some amount of thought, I will try like, um, Colin Cadness and I have debates on this all the time about, about sending inbound leads directly to, um, to account executives when they fit ICP and ask to a talk to a sales rep. I think that you should send it to a sales rep. He disagrees because he thinks that it's not scalable. And I think that there's a lot of other factors that could, you could do to make it scalable. And so we've had respectful debates inside of comments, which I'm happy to do. Um, and I think there's a difference between saying, having a, a thoughtful disagreement or a debate around it and then being just a jerk. Um, and, uh, and then if you're just a jerk, then it depends on sometimes I'll like, I'll fire, I'll fire back, not in being a you know, more of like a joking way because over time I've kind of like, I've built up an insulation to this. Like I actually don't, I don't mind if people say mean things about me or my content. Um, um, and so, yeah, I, I think it depends, but when it comes down to it, like disrespectful stuff, you're getting blocked. Like I just don't need it. Yeah. Um, no, it, it, there's varying shades of gray to this question, meaning you've got sort of like the the toxic, icky character that comes in is just like abusive. So uh-huh. that you have people that want to break down a topic and I actually live for this. I like the reason why I post my content is I want to inspire conversation. It inspires um, learning, me thinking about mm-hmm. things differently. It inspires new content. Like all sorts of benefits come yep. from that engagement. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with people that disagree with me, mm-hmm. but if you're going to be a jerk and you're just going to come in like a wrecking ball and you're not going to be respectful, there's that whole thing of agreeing to disagree and yeah. being graceful about it that I believe is a lost art for many. Mm -hmm. I have a zero tolerance policy for that. Meaning you can disagree with me all day long, but if you act like a, a jerk or you're disrespectful Mm -hmm. or you're going after people in a disrespectful way, I'm not cool with that. But I will say my opinion on all of it is I don't have enough time. And I think you'd probably agree with this. (laughs) Uh, your engagement And some of my engagement and running businesses and showing up for your clients and doing what you say you're going to do and delivering and all of the other things that you do in a day. Having debates on LinkedIn is not my number one job. It's not my job. It's not my priority. Educating you in a a 16 back and forth comment thread um, to break down a point, which is actually value to you if you think about it. is just not, it's not my number one priority. I think that people think that I'm sitting around waiting to, to answer their question. And I, I would love to, if I can help and if I have the time and all those different things. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it just becomes, it's gotten to a scale at this point where I just can't get to all of them. I feel like there's, that's, that's, it is what it is. Yeah. I'm at that point as well where it's like, and, and not that I wasn't really ever at that point. Like I'm a big fan of, I can only control what I can control. Exactly. So that's a good place to, it's a good place to wrap up. Yeah. Swimming your own lane, control what you can control. The rest of the stuff is going to be the rest of the stuff. Amy, really, uh, really happy to have you. Great way to close out. Hope you enjoy the lake house. I think I got that right. And, uh, and look forward to having you back on the show soon. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Always love talking shop with you. And um, yeah, this is great. Can't wait to see it in production.